the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi there, and welcome to episode 20 of Planted with Sarah Pion. I'm Sarah Pion, your host, and today we have my dear friend Ngayo Bilam on for episode 20, starting out the new year. Welcome, Ngayo. Thank you so much for being on today. It's an honor and a pleasure and a delight to be here, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you know, and it's also just a treat because it's been so long since we've talked. So anytime that I get a chance to catch up with you is always, that's always a good thing for me. It has definitely been a minute since we've chopped it up or produced a speakeasy event or done any of that stuff. Oh, I know. That was so much fun. I was actually just looking at pictures of that the other day, like the bands and the dancers and the comedians. And that was, that was a good time. Hopefully when all this stuff is over we can all reconvene again and do stuff like that. I like your thinking. (laughs) So to start off, because I know that a lot of our listeners will be very familiar with you as a comedian. Um, For those of you who are listening, I I introduced Ngaio, but I didn't say what he's known for, but I think a lot of you listening will be listening because you follow his comedy work, but also... Gaio's one of the people who's been in the movement for the longest, who's, a, who's visible now. And I just think that that's a really important thing to talk about. And you want to you wanna let our listeners know how you got involved in it and, and where your passions lie? How I got involved in, in cannabis activism? Uh, well, I it, just started showing up. That's yeah. <laughs> really how you get involved. <laughs> well, that's true. But like, what what sparked your interest? And at, at maybe even like, what was the first time you tried cannabis? Uh, I probably tried cannabis uh, sometime in a summer camp at like sixth or seventh grade, and then my parents caught me uh, one time trying to smoke in like eighth grade, and they were like, "Hey, lay off that shit till college." And I was like, "All right, that's cool. That makes sense." Um, and so then in college, I started smoking weed, and. Uh, and it was great. And so that would have been in the 80s. And as I realized that I enjoyed weed, and I was fortunate enough to be in San Francisco, so we actually had different kinds of weed. Where it was just starting to become that thing. Um, and getting more and more into it. And then I started hanging out with people who were weed activists. And I was like, this is a good idea. There's no reason for cannabis to be illegal. Uh, one, it's racist. Uh, two, it's non-productive. Three, it costs a lot of people money. Four, I would also just like to be able to smoke weed whenever I want. So I started showing up at, at protests and festivals and hanging out with activists and becoming more and more involved in activism. And uh, I moved to L.A., got divorced, worked for a dispensary. And, and this is still back when the feds would raid you. It wasn't just like the locals. So uh, we we did a lot. We did a lot of showing up at uh, dispensaries. We kind of uh, would flash mob it a little bit. We had a text line set up, so if some, somebody's dispensary was getting raided, we'd send out a group text and, you know, used to carry protest signs in your car and whatnot, and everybody would just show up and be like, hey, quit arresting patients, quit hurting sick people. Um, and, you know, I've been at it a long time. We really all thought that weed was probably going to be legalized when Clinton got elected, so that was 92 96. And then we went through the George Bush years, which were very rough on weed smokers. But uh, uh, we made it through. And Prop 215 passed in 96, which made it easier to open dispensaries. And 
And it's been a, a long growth. I mean, I say it all the time. We've gone from uh, uh, a felony to an essential service. Like, you can smoke weed in Nevada. Nevada used to give you 10 years just if they thought you might have some weed on you, right? South Dakota's got legal weed now. And who who would have thought South Dakota would be one of the first 20 states to have legal cannabis? So it's wild how these things are going on, and, and, and it's great. I mean, we still have a long, 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 long way to go. Oh, yeah. But it, it's, it's like... It's nice that, that people are starting to get there, for sure. I can't wait for the pandemic to be over because I'm going on a tour of all the legal states that I haven't smoked weed in yet. So hopefully <laughs> you'll see me in Detroit and South Dakota and Chicago and Peoria and and all, all these other states, uh, Arizona or New Mexico, wherever, all these, all these places. I'm going to go uh, smoke your weed and I'm going to talk shit. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Good nature shit. I'm going to talk good natured shit. I don't I don't hate on anybody's weed, but I'm definitely going to smoke it and talk about you. <laughs> Everyone needs a little ribbing every so often. I mean, and especially, you know, people people are uh we all every state that we're in, we all think we have the best stuff except uh, I was from Michigan and I know that the stuff is much better now, but back in the day that was sitting down, going through all the seeds and stems. Um, I, I didn't realize how green cannabis was till I moved out here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to have a joke in my act about that, about being in the middle of Washington in the early 90s. And I pulled out my California weed and everybody got scared. Like, whoa, what is that? Weed is brown and crumbly. What's that green sticky shit you have? That doesn't even look like pot. I remember <laughs> being in four quarters. Uh, the four quarters area of like New Mexico, Arizona, uh, Utah, and whatever, Arizona, I guess, and whatever that state is. And, um, I had bought, I think I got like an ounce of weed for 40 bucks and I had to spend the whole day de-stemming and de-seeding it. And I was nervous and I wasn't nervous that I would be caught or arrested with weed. I was nervous that I would be caught or arrested with bad weed. Like I felt like it was bad for my reputation. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Like, oh my God. And you have to carry so much because that shit's so underpowered. So you have to carry so much weed of it, so much of that weed. And so now you're looking at a bigger fine or a bigger stint in jail because you got a half ounce where an ace would normally suffice. Right, right. Yeah, that was one of the things that I noticed moving out here. I was like, well, you know, the cannabis was a little bit more expensive, but you didn't need as much of it. And that was that was oh. really something. And like when I left Michigan, if you would go to jail for resin in your bowl. Yeah, yeah. Shit, you go to jail just for having a bowl. They get you on a paraphernalia charge. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom was always like, "Just roll two joints and take that with you. You can eat that shit if something happens." <laughs> and I was like, "Man, you got to teach your kids life skills. That's an important thing to know." Oh yeah. I mean that that's smart. <laughs> My, yeah. my mom didn't tell me that. She just pulled me out of school when she found my bong and told me she'd send me to juvie if she caught me doing it again. <laughs> did you stop or did you just hide it from your mom better? You know, I actually, I think what happened was I had a really bad reaction to cannabis when I was in high school. And I think now looking back on it, I probably had something that was more towards the sativa side because I'm a little sensitive yeah. to things with that terp prof profile. Um, yeah. And so I, I stopped for a really long time till I got, well, a really long time. Back then it seemed like a really long time till I got to college. Yeah. You know. Four years is a long time. 
Yeah, well, especially at that age, four years is a long time. So long. I mean, not so long now that we're all a million years old, but <laughs> well, now it's like a second. <laughs> when I yeah, and it's all relative, right? Well, it is. I mean, I think about like I came out here in '96 when all the 215 things were happening, and I just remember being yeah. like, "What is this place?" Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and and I got to say that that uh, the dispensaries and 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 I'd also like to say that I missed the the social club style dispensaries where everything's kind of like a drug deal now where you just show up and buy your weed and leave. I miss it where you could show up and get some weed and sit around and smoke it and hang out with like-minded people. And they'd have comedy shows and bingo night and peer to peer counseling and massage services and all that stuff paid for by weed. Yeah. Um, we definitely need to bring that back. But um, I, I also know that uh, I feel like the dispensaries did a, a good job of, making people want legal weed in other states because they would come and visit a dispensary and they would be like, how come we can't do this? This is great. You just go in and there's 10 or 15 different kinds, plus some hashes, plus some edibles. You, people know about it. You can ask questions. And, and I think that, that it did a, a, a great job of, of creating a bigger push for people in other states who go home and be like, dude, you should have seen the dispensary. We got to go back. We got to create some shit like that here. Yeah. And I think that the normalization of looking around and I remember the first time that I really took a good look when I was waiting to be helped. And I was like, there's people from all walks of life hanging out here. And that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. Weed, uh, I used to have a t-shirt that says weed cures racism. And now I don't think that weed cures racism anymore, but it can definitely help alleviate some of the problems that racism can cause. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and then there's also the thing of the reason that some people are biased against other people is because of their own personal self-loathing and cannabis can help with that, too. Cannabis can help with that. If it doesn't give you a panic attack, if you <laughs> actually use it to, to look at yourself and look at the challenges you may be having and ways you can uh, fix that in your own self, it can definitely help. Yeah, I think that there, there are ways that it can, when we have greater compassion for ourselves, we're less likely to lash out on people over issues that are really, <laughs> I mean, honestly, manufactured, you know, and that's, yeah. I, I really, and I like the fact that we're starting to see more of a push towards social justice, though, like you said earlier, we have a really, really long way to go. Yeah, yeah, and and one of the challenges we're going to have, and 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 I'm all for legalized weed. I mean, I prefer decriminalized weed. I like the traditional market a lot, but I I also think that the first push should be to get people out of jail and to keep people from going to jail and keep people from being arrested. I got to say that uh, being in legal in a legal state, whether it's California or Massachusetts or Oregon or Washington, Oregon has the second best weed in the world. By the way, California's first. Oregon second. Uh, it, it does great things for the blood pressure when you're standing in the Starbucks smelling like weed and the cops walk in and it's no problem. Yeah. It's just very relaxing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we're working for 25, 30 years on this thing and all the setbacks and all the people going to jail and all the people getting out of jail and all the people having their records expunged. That's all fantastic. It's all wonderful. And we need more of that. 
shout out to Illinois for going hard to get people out of jail and to clear people's records as soon as they can. Uh, I'll give them a shout out for doing that. They've been really good about that. Yeah, that is awesome. I, I don't understand why that wasn't the number one priority for every state when that happened, because I know, like, I started working. Because private prisons need people. That's why. It's not a secret. Like, it's, <sighs> I get so frustrated. Uh Every time someone goes to jail, the government gets some money, yeah. right? Whether it's from the feds or whether it's from the city or the, the state or the county funds, go toward the jail. It goes to the cops. you got to pay when people are in jail. And so they get money for that. And so if there's fewer people in jail, they're making less money. And we are a capitalist-ass fucking country. And so anytime we can make money off of somebody, this is why we don't have public health insurance, because people see it as a money-making opportunity. And it, and it, it's that's a hard thing to overcome. I, I would definitely prefer it if our uh, politicians were stoners and not drunks. I think we would be better off as a country for sure. I think we'd have some more compassionate policies. That's for sure. I mean, that's that is like greed is the big thing that we have to be really careful of because, like you said, greed is what gets you know people in prisons, with, especially with all the privatization. And we're seeing like. I don't know. It, let me know your thoughts on this because, yes, we're we're always going to have greed in cannabis, but I'm also seeing that as as I I always used to say the movement because but it's become more the industry now. What we're talking about is commodity. Yeah, it is a commodity, and you know, with with everything booming, I think that in some ways, some of the the models that were more money oriented and not necessarily quality oriented are starting to fall by the wayside a little bit. I mean, we're always going to have people that are going to give it their best shot to like cough, cough, med men, cough, cough. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, there's always going to be people with more money than sense and mm-hmm. they see an opportunity and they think they're going to get into it. And one of the challenges with capitalism is capitalism loves a monopoly. They, everybody thinks that they're going to just show up and they're going to, you know, run at a loss for two years while they try to undercut everybody. And then all of a sudden they're going to take everything over. It's like the Uber and taxi cabs or Lyfts and taxi cabs or, or, or some of these other things. And that's not really how cannabis works. Cannabis has been one of the best decentralized industries for years, years, right? Back in the day. The object was not to get too big, because if you get too big, the feds will show up and everybody will go to jail, right? So you want to be just big enough where you can make some money and go to Thailand in the summer or whatever you want to do. <laughs> or Costa Rica. Yeah, wherever. We're going to Portugal or Ibiza or wherever, the Canary Islands, wherever you're going to go uh, after the harvest and, and you get your money back. Um, and so... These guys don't see that. They just always think that they, they want to be the biggest, you know, they want to take over everything and, and run everything and you end up with mediocre cannabis. And listen, the traditional market, uh, the legacy market is not going to go anywhere as long as weed is still illegal in, in Arkansas and Texas and, and Georgia. Uh, people are still going to try to smuggle. People are still going to try to get weed out to other places. And also, if, if you grow horrible weed, Weed heads aren't going to buy it. Right. That's just how it is. You're going to lose money. You can taste the commercial pressure in some of these weeds that these people are trying to get you to smoke these days. It just tastes 
like there's no love that it's just grown for capitalism and that and that's not how the weed game works you you have to have the right energy all the time i always ask these cats when i hang out with corporate cats sometimes i'm always like how many hippies you got on your team yeah right and if they're like well we got a couple of hippies i'm like all right well maybe maybe we could chop it up a little bit if you're like we don't have any hippies uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can hang out with you, man, because you're probably not coming at it the right way. And I want everybody to make money, and I want everybody to be rich, but you you still have to approach it the right way. Cannabis started as a social justice movement, right? This whole cannabis legalization movement started as social justice. People wanted didn't want to go to jail. You want to keep the cops from picking on uh, marginalized folks and, and hippies. And you have to remember that's that's where it started, and that's where it's going to be for for the longest time. It's you know, it can it can be more mainstream, but it's still a counterculture. Yeah, it is. It is, and it is definitely something that that brings people together. It's yeah. It's it's an it's an interesting thing. It's like when I with I was happy that legalization happened in many respects, and. I also worried about putting off legalization till later on because there would be more greedy hands that would want to be in the pie and affect policy in ways that don't serve the people. I mean, we've already seen what happened in California where there were supposed to be four or five years before farmers were allowed to get gigantic. And they took that provision out almost right away. The lobbyists got in there and they're like, no, we need to have gigantic commercial fucking farms. Yep. And that that hasn't worked out well. California is not reaching their sales goals. One, their taxes are too high. Two, the barrier to entry is ridiculous. And so if they don't take into account that cannabis growers and the cannabis industry, those guys are used to being outlaws, right? Uh, cats who don't want to follow the rules are cats who become weed smokers. So if you make the rules too hard to follow, why, why would they try to follow them? Why wouldn't they just go deeper underground and still manage to make as much money and, and sell a better quality product. Yeah. Now that makes perfect sense. And that's, you know, a lot of it has to do with the state thinking that, well, all, a lot of the states thinking that cannabis is going to be this panacea that cures all their financial problems where it's an industry just like anything else. And it can contribute. Like Colorado has done some pretty interesting stuff with their cannabis revenue. They have. They have. They've been helping the homeless people. They've been opening schools. They've been doing all kinds of stuff. And I think they just passed a new law where they can have consumption lounges and, and social clubs now. And I think that's that's great. And it's about time. I feel like Oregon has kind of done the best in terms of making the barrier to entry relatively low. So just about anybody who wants to get into it can get into it. Yeah. I mean, whether they stay in it, you know, it's the free market or whatnot. Whether you stay in it is a challenge. But you can get into it. For not much, but out here in California, you need a million dollars. Yeah. Really, honestly, just to even try to get in the game. So you've already cut a bunch of people out of the of the loop, a bunch of good growers, a bunch of good people. It's like when they shut down the, the local hardware store. Now that guy's got to go work for Walmart. And, you know, he doesn't want to do that, and he's bitter, and he's not making as much money. So Yeah, that's it. Well, and when we look at, like, the old, the old ways that we did dispensaries, like... I remember talking to Michael and Michelle Aldrich and Michael was talking Mm -hmm. about, 
you know, during 9-11, they actually got a call saying, we need to open early because people people look to them as a community center, a place for support. So they, they opened early and they bought pizzas and people came in and bought their their medicine, but they also they also congregated together to support each other. Yes. And that's how it should be. And that's how it's supposed to go. It's still a community, right? And, you know, the, the, the community of belief is, is, is still a thing, and, and, and it's going to remain a thing. And, and it's cool that squares are getting into it. I think it's awesome. Uh, but people have to, 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 you know, just keep community in mind. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Don't be so selfish all the time. But we should help with that a little bit. It, it should, but I think, you know, the people who really miss the memo are the ones that are in it and they don't even use cannabis. I know some people can't tolerate phytocannabinoids, and that's fine, but when it's just a choice because you're just looking to sell it, I I have a real problem with that. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. You don't want to go to a vegetarian bu- butcher. Mm. <laughs> Which is not to say that there aren't some vegetarian or vegan butchers who are really good at it. I mean, I'm sure there are. I mean, you know, sure. I, I definitely know some um, activists who don't smoke weed but are good activists. Yes. Right? Hal Sparks is a good example. He doesn't do drugs at all, but he doesn't see why weed should be illegal, and he's been a strong activist. Uh, Don Duncan, who doesn't really smoke weed, has been one of the staunchest activists in California since way back when. Um so, but yeah, if you're going to sell cannabis, you should at least know something about it. If you're trying to, you know, you can't just know dollars and cents. Right. right? Because you'll be penny wise and pound foolish. Because, I mean, those activists also are, they they have a sensitivity where they understand the impact it has on people and what it means to be yeah. able to have that access. Whereas what I was mentioning was like people who are just like, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to, I'm going to make some dollars. I'm going to make my imprint and then, you know, either see what happens or get the heck out and on to the next thing. And that's, that's the stuff that really gets me. Or like, you know, you were saying like with the politicians, we've got, you know, it's like if you're, (laughs) if you're at a a cannabis event and you're just like, you know, super drunk, it's like, there's nothing wrong with getting happy. I don't have a problem with that at all, but a lot I in my life a lot more has happened under the influence of alcohol. <laughs> sure. Sure. You know. And it's it's just kind of a I think we have this unique opportunity to use cannabis as a model to that can echo throughout the way we do business and look at life and all these different things because like when I do trainings for healthcare professionals they'll always ask me you know, what's the ratio for this? How much would you recommend for this person? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you know, cannabis is one of those things where things aren't, it, there's no, there's no stark difference. Like it's, it, there are so many subtleties. Um, it depends on your age. It depends on your chemical makeup. It depends on your neurodiversity. As a woman, it depends on the level of estrogen at any given time in your body. And so, you know, we cannabis is an opportunity to really get in touch with our bodies, to exercise critical thought, to look at, you know, having prosperity, but also having compassion so that, you know, the people that you're working with can have a living wage and people can actually, you know, afford their cannabis. And, And when people come in, like 
I'm not, I work from home these days, but when I was behind the barn after legalization, people would come in and they'd be so angry or even crying about how expensive cannabis was because even if they don't have a recommendation, they're still using it to create relief in, in many cases. And it's also a call to action because it's, it's letting people know you need to be responsible to get involved and let these politicians that we vote into office know that we pay taxes we we are you know we're members of society that get things done and we vote yeah it's hard to do like there's been you know what are the challenges when you make something like this uh, so expensive and so hard to get into uh, you run into challenges with, with corruption and whatnot as well, right? Sacramento, we had a huge scandal with international money and and, and, and people that. jumping in and cutting the line and, and people had to quit and and uh, they they had to get a whole new cannabis czar. And, uh, and now the next batch of licenses that are going to go out are supposed to go strictly to people who are in the social equity program. And we'll see. Because there still aren't any black-owned cannabis club in Sacramento and there's very few in Los Angeles and I think there's maybe one or two in San Francisco and a couple in Denver and maybe three or four in Oregon and Washington and this is this is what we need to uh, to address and to get into yeah so I don't I don't know you know people are people greed is greed uh, gatekeeping is gatekeeping. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But let's not forget that weed is also fun. But you know, and, and to your other point, back when when they asked when I was at the International Cannabis Business Conference, which uh, is an awesome conference, if you're ever going to be in, but I think we're supposed to be in Berlin in May, God willing, and vaccines and all that stuff. Um, or no, July. We'll be in Berlin in July. But when I was in there. Uh, that's one of the things that the Germans are having problems with because they have a medical cannabis program and, you know, German culture, everything, they want it to be very neat and tidy. This goes to this. If you're like this, then you do this. And if you have this, then you do this. And so they have challenges because cannabis is definitely uh, very individualized, right? I can see a day in the future where I don't know if they'll do it with DNA or just good old fashioned, uh, what do you call it? Trial and error for your specific, you can grow your own strain for your specific symptoms or whatever you want to have or whatever you like. We can make a strain just for you. So it'll be the Serapion, right? What are you smoking? I was smoking some Serapion and I got a little, uh, Jeff Blake and I'm smoking a little bit of Ungayo. I mix it with a little Ungayo because it makes me a little happy. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, really... mine would be like a God's gift Burkle Cross or something like that. <laughs> sure, mine would be a, a chocolate hashberry with a hint of fruit. Ooh, hey, you know what I remember? Well, one time we were hanging out, you brought me some outdoor flower that was... I love outdoor flower. Oh, it's so good. And you know, I I was so, like a lot of people for the longest time, I was just like, ah, whatever. You know, outdoor flower, it's not as strong. And it's such a lie because when it's done well, and yo, the one you brought me, I remember the name even. It was called Gummy Bear. That was so good. Oh, yeah. So good. Here's the thing, too. Uh, and, 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 you know, I've been talking about this a bit. As, as we learn more and more about the cannabis plant, it's not really about high THC count. 
Nope. Right? Everybody is, is getting into it. It's really the terpenes. The terpenes are what create uh, the good feeling and the good and the and the and the feelings you want. So it really doesn't matter whether it's indoor or outdoor. Although I prefer outdoor, I don't know why. I feel like it has a certain I would say terroir, but Frenchy Cannoli would would give me shit. But a certain genetique, a certain vibe. There's nothing like the sun. Nothing like the sun, dude. Sun and dirt. Plants know what to do. Plants know what to do, right? Plants been growing in sun and dirt for millions of years. Uh, so you don't really. I mean, it's easy to grow cannabis. It's hard to grow really good cannabis. But I, I, you know, I I hang out in Mendocino and Humboldt County a lot. And those guys, man, I love to to listen to growers talk or watch two growers chop it up. What's the old phrase? Uh, the only thing two growers can agree on is that the third grower doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so true. <laughs> I think I've seen that conversation at Emerald Cup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I bet you have. I bet you have. <laughs> More than once. I think I've been in that conversation. I think I've been the third grower <laughs> a couple of times, which is fair because I'm not, uh, you know, I grow as a hobby. I just throw that shit outside and hope for the best. Um, but you've so, curated your own pre-rolls recently too, though. I do. I do. I do have a line of pre-rolls. Matter of fact, it's just about time to uh, get the uh, 2021 release set up. I got to go out into uh, into the woods and talk to some homies. I just go, I really just go up there and talk homies out of their head stash and put <laughs> in a joint. <laughs> I like an exotic. I like a rare flavor. I like to try to keep old school strains and, and good outdoor strains alive. Uh, I think everybody is often on a hunt to create the next cookies or the next wedding cake or the next root beer or whatever it is. And that's cool too. I'm a fan of that too, but we can't, let some of these old school ones go like whatever happened to champagne you know what i mean whatever happened right right when was the last time you got to see it whatever happened to odyssey or or uh pre-98 bubba right these are all good strains we can't let them all go you know a homie just gave me some some seeds that he saved from 2005 of of an old school new york diesel oh wow and so uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that, that I'll get some uh, dudes and some girls so I can make some some, some more seeds. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's one that I I admire it, but I, I can't, you know, we were talking about, like, you know, having greater compassion or not having anxiety attack, <laughs> smoking yeah. weed. Sour, yeah. sour diesel is the one that does it for me where I just question everything in the world if I, after yeah. I smoke it. <laughs> That's so funny. I uh, I just grew some mystery sativa. I don't know what it is, but it smells mostly like pines with a hint of lemon. Mm-hmm. And it's a tasty strain, but I know uh, when I smoke it that if I don't want to have a small panic attack, I better get up and start cleaning things right away. Uh, and then then it works out. So I I uh, whenever I look in my kitchen, I'm like, oh my god, this is terrible. Huh? I'm going to smoke some of that mystery sativa, and then we're going to stave off the demons. Oh, scrub, scrub the cupboard. Take out the toothbrush. Oh, yeah, man. We get into it. We get kind of crackheady about it. 
I love it. Really not crackly. More, more tweaker-esque. Tweaker-esque, yes. Better yes. Well, you know, yeah, that'll that'll get her done. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure, for sure. So yeah. I wanted to, I also wanted to talk about your comedy. And did you, did you start out being a cannabis comedian or did it just kind of happen organically? No, I just started out being a comedian. And then I became a cannabis comedian because you talk about what you know. That's why uh, my albums are called Weed and Sex and Weedier and Sexier. Uh, <laughs> right. Of course, the next one will be Weediest and Sexiest. But um, that's just, you know, I kind of fought against that label for the longest time, too, right? Because a weed joke is like anchovies. It could take over the entire salad or the whole pizza. And... So especially back in the early 90s when I was one of the few cats still talking about weed, I got a lot of flack. I got a little pushback. Like, oh, you're just a stoner. Oh, you just have weed jokes. I'm like, no, I also got jokes about quantum physics and existential poetry and growing up as a nerd and all this other stuff and and fucking. Um, But all you hear is the weed joke. But now that weed's legal, they're like, oh, well, we need a funny weed guy. I'm like, well, now it's going to cost you more money because you should have fucking money. (laughs) Damn straight. I hate to, I hate to quote Beyonce. I don't argue with these lazy bitches. I just raised my price. Um, uh, so, so for the longest time, I definitely fought against it. And then I was like, "Fuck it! I'll just go hard on on being a weed comic and uh, you know, and, and offering my services to festivals and things like that." But then by that time, there were also more festivals. I mean, before it used to be like maybe one in San Francisco. And then Seattle Hemp Fest, and then sometimes the Portland Hemp Fest, and the Emerald Cup wasn't really a thing. But now you can do High Times Cups all over the world. You can do the Emerald Cup, you can do the SoCal Cup, you can do the whatever the Champs Cup or whatever it is. It's the Portland Hemp Fest, the the Seattle Hemp Fest, the International Cannabis Business Conference. There's the MJ BizCon. There's all these different things. There's uh, um, the Hash Bash in, in Michigan. There's that's the one Liberty I always Day knew about. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so all these things are coming around, and they're getting bigger and better. So it's easier just to be almost in the in the cannabis culture primarily and then treat all the other things as side gigs uh, as opposed to having to be in the mainstream all the time. Yeah. Well, watch my show on Netflix, Cooking on High. Oh, yeah. Well, yours, yours is, is one, I have to honestly say, yours is one of the few cannabis shows that I enjoy because I... No disrespect to the other shows, but they just, they're a little painful for me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm waiting to, I've heard that there's this this good uh, show that's, um, it's kind of like a spoof on Vice and Cannabis that I want to check oh, out. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's on YouTube. What's I, it called? I'll have to look it up. And when I, I'll, I'll find it. And I'll send it to you. But it looked like it was pretty okay. funny. And I was I was like, hmm, now that, that I can get behind, because everybody's always asking me, oh, have you seen this show? Have you seen that show? And like, you know, it's, I haven't been, I haven't been in cannabis as long as you have, but I'm, I'm getting close to 10 years now. So, you know, That's pretty good. yeah, I weighed out flour. Like I can, I can throw it out an eighth with no with no problem. <laughs> I keep threatening to throw the Weed Olympics, and that actually would be one of the events. Uh, it would be the Eyeball Biathlon. Uh-huh. Uh, it consists of, of two segments. The first one is there's a pile of weed, 
And then you have to pull out a specific weight, 3.5 grams, 7 grams, 5.6 grams, whatever. And then the second one is there's a pile of weed, and then you have to uh, tell us how much it weighs. Like you could pick it up or whatever. You could hold it. It's a nug or whatnot. You've got to be like, that weighs 4.6 grams or 3.2 grams or something like that. See, that would be good. I would rock that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Weed athlon or whatever. I don't know. I could be a weed athlete. I always loved it when I'd be behind the bar and there'd be like this dude. And I don't know why. And this is the whole thing about like stoner stereotypes. Like I have people asking me, you know, do you even smoke weed? I'm like, yeah. What do you have to look like to smoke yeah. weed? I want to know. But you know, smoke shit in the woods as a bear Catholic. What do you mean? Do I smoke weed? Is it pig's pussy pork? Right. <laughs> <laughs> We all have different styles. We all smoke weed. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of weed. You get to meet people you never would have hung out. I smoke weed with Navy SEALs and ex-cops and and firemen and and baseball players and poker players and just whatever actors, comedians, engineers. You get to meet a bunch of different people. Yeah, yeah. Right, but it's have, good for social socializing. Being. Being a dad, so you you you're around some younger folks. I I've got a question for you about like the appeal of Ooh. cannabis to to of age youth, of course. But the one thing that I noticed, like we were in Hawaii last year, and talking to some of the younger folks there, they're like, "Oh yeah, my uncle smokes, but I don't." And I'm wondering, like, yeah. because it's legal now in many yeah. in many areas, it's not becoming as fun for youth. Well, it's not as illicit. It's not, you know, it's not, ooh, it doesn't make you dangerous anymore. And and I, I do think uh, young people kind of do see it as an old person thing a lot of times sometimes. Like, uh, hey, you want to smoke a joint? What are you, my dad? What are we going to do? <laughs> are we going to get high? This is just some ludicrous? <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? It's not like a good day. Yeah. Really. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, everyone... Everyone is different, but I, I, I think, and that's and that's kind of the joy and the beauty of it, though. It shouldn't be a big deal, right? It should be if you want to smoke a little weed, you can smoke a little weed. It shouldn't be like, oh, he's a possible girl, he's a stoner, you know. As long as it's not affecting your personal and professional and your social life, as long as you're not as with anything, neglecting right? your responsibilities or being an asshole about it. I mean, you know, I always say old stoners are cuter than old drunks, so. I, you know, I, I, I prefer to hang out with some old stoners any day. It's, yeah, I, I do like the fact that it's normalizing and that's like, you know, I, I do a lot of policy work and with when I was on task force and now on oversight committee, we'd have like, you know, the unified school district for San Francisco and we always talk about youth access. And that is one of the things that I always try to really impress upon people who are worried about youth access at one when you've got dispensaries, your kids aren't going to get let in, so it's a much better deal. Yeah. And yeah. and two, because we are normalizing it, they don't find it as exciting, so it's it's not tempting. No. no, and also people should talk to their kids about it, so it's demystified, yeah. right? I mean, I was on a when my kids were little, I was definitely on a no drugs till college. Like just don't just don't even think about it. So college, some things are for adults. Wait for your brain to develop a little more. Wait till you have a sense of who you are. Wait till you decide, you know, kind of what you want to be, how you like to feel, and then maybe try it and see how it goes. 
you know, but don't just jump into it because like my parents told me when I was little, like that shit could be a crutch. You can use it to avoid reality as opposed to enhancing reality. And so you have to be conscious and you have to smoke these things with intention. Right? You can't just be doing drugs willy nilly, man. It leads to challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good conversation to have about just like the thoughtfulness of what you put in your body and, and young minds, yeah. you know, they're developing and, and we're, you know, even though we do have our endocannabinoid system, we don't, we don't know like how that can impact certain young minds depending on neurodiversity. And you're right. It's, there's a certain wherewithal, a certain maturity and awareness of not running from things and using, you know, substances. And that could be anything. I mean, and for some people that's, that's stuff like chocolate, you know, I mean, hot yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hot yoga makes me throw up. Is it the smell? Like, no. Is that bullpack? What is that? <laughs> I get desensitized to that after a while. It's the heat. It's like, it's. I just get really don't, sick. Don't tell people you're desensitized to ball sack, sir. <laughs> <laughs> only only after I've been in the room for a while. <laughs> but do I... You wonder about your... your... Uh, love life. <laughs> oh right, right. Yeah, Maybe no. I don't need any sweaty downward dog. Thank you very much. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now that stuff is like I. I yoga has to be in a well ventilated room where you're getting some breeze. Yeah. <laughs> or or outdoors, outdoors is good. Too. And hi. Yeah, hi. How are you? Exactly. Uh, no, my friend Katie Carnes does stoner yoga. Stoner yoga. I think it's got four S's. Oh, you really? Can check her out. She's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is she online or is she? Or does she normally do? In she person? She's a photographer. Oh, right. By nature, K A T Y K A R N S. I think is her. Uh, Instagram, Katie Carnes. Katie Check Carnes. her out. What are what are some of of your favorite people to follow on Instagram, cannabis related? I follow Katie Carnes. Mm-hmm. I follow uh, Zen Willow mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, Coral Reefer. Uh, I like Coral. Uh, there's a bunch of cats. Jesse Horton, J E S C E H O R T O N. He's a black uh, cannabis entrepreneur in Portland, Oregon, smashing the game right now. Nice. Um, uh, Leafly, I write for Leafly.com, so I follow them, of course, and I've done a bunch of videos and stuff for them. And I follow myself and go to my YouTube channel and check it out, NGAIO420, across all your social medias. I love it. I love it. Oh, there was something I was going to ask you around that, too. What was it? What was it? Oh, yes. Going back to products and brands, people need to vote with their wallet and buy equity. And besides your wonderful joints, what are some other great equity companies that you really dig? Uh, I dig Flamingo Farms out of Richmond, California. Mm-hmm. Um, I also dig uh, MD. I actually just did a, uh, uh, a walkthrough of the MD Farms out of Salinas. Uh, and they also have a delivery uh, company in San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, but MD Farms is black-owned. It's a dude and his sister, and they own it and run it, and they do a great job out there, and they grow. they got giant greenhouses, and they grow really, really good cannabis out there. Um, 
I, you know, I don't know. Just follow me and see who I follow. Yeah. <laughs> I love that angle. Uh, I, I see what you're doing there. Playon. I think she's great. <laughs> right. Well, you and now with COVID, you're doing shows online. I am. I am doing shows online. So we're doing, uh, I do a monthly show with Nowhere Comedy Club. You can find them at NowhereTime.com. Um, the one almost cool thing, there aren't really very many cool things about this pandemic, but the one almost cool thing is when you want to get all your funny homies together to do a show, you don't have to fly everybody into Chicago or out from L.A. or into this or into that. You don't have to book a club and yada, yada, yada. You could just be like, hey, man, what are you doing on the 20th? And I'll be like, I'm not really doing shit, bro. What are you doing? <laughs> Come do my show. <laughs> so I've had some really good – I've had Drew Carey on my show. I've had Brian Postain on my show. Um, I've had Christopher Titus. And this month on the 20th, Margaret Cho is going to be the headliner. So it's me – and Margaret Cho and Atsuko, uh, Atsuko Okasaku, I think that's how, Otsaku, Otasaku, God dog it, Atsuko Otasaku is going to be there along with Daniel, uh, Daniel Rug Webb, Drea Myers, and Tavi. It's a really, really good show. Tickets start at 10 bucks. You go to NowhereTime.com and find it. It's on the 20th, so come celebrate the inauguration with us in the privacy of your own bone. I love it. I I kind of feel like I, I was just actually talking to um, I was talking to a friend of mine, um, Art Agnos, who I had on one of the very first. Art Agnos, the former mayor of San Francisco. Yeah, Art. Oh, wow. <laughs> He's, he was on uh, one of the very first episodes of Planted. I got him on the record for the first time talking about using cannabis. Interesting. I didn't even know he was a cannabis user. Well, he actually, he he said it didn't appeal to him when he was younger. He had friends that used it. Yeah. And he had open heart surgery, so um, he was having problems with sleep. And I, it was a few years ago when we met. He was already in his 80s, and I helped him figure out what would help for him and his wife for sleep. So he's he's very, very excited about how well it works. And he wants to, to do, he, he mentions it, you know, time and time again, he's like, whenever, whenever you want to do the work on trying to get it covered by insurance, you know, I'm ready. Yeah. You know, that's a good idea. I think, I think it's a, a really, really good idea. He's been, and that's, that's kind of one of those things where I go back to like, the hashtag conversation is normalization. Like, you know, when you've yeah. got some like art doing, doing stuff, like talking to his peers about it um, and normalizing it, that's when you get a lot of traction for people who don't necessarily, for some reason, thought that you had to have, you had to be a certain way to be attracted to cannabis and have it work for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. It works for almost anybody. It works for a lot of people. And, and that's one of the cool things about cannabis, too, is there's thousands of strains. Yeah. So you can definitely find something that works for you. And, and you don't necessarily have to smoke it. You can vape it. You can eat it. You can rub it on your skin. There's a lot of different ways you can receive benefits uh, from the cannabis plant besides just rolling up a fat doobie and, and chuffing it down. 
uh, and that's that's another thing too. I mean, I know so many people who've been helped with like just muscle soreness or skin problems or or things like that, through like bath bombs and lotions and salves and massage oils and all that stuff. Shit, there's a lube, there's a sex lube that's cannabis infused, and I hear great things about that one all the time. Oh, what was it? The the uh, the party, the the little party that we did the other year. We actually it was sponsored. It was sponsored by a company that had water soluble. Was it Velvet Swing? Yeah, it was Velvet Swing, and yeah, that's I love Velvet Swing. That was kind of nice. It was like <laughs> have a joint, want some lube. Never had this conversation at a, party, <laughs> at a general party. Before. Never. Well, I had a dollar. Well, we are in we are in the Bay Area, so there is that. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're different. We're definitely built different out here. Uh, don't let Silicon Valley uh, tell you any different. We're still freaky. Oh, and, and you know, I kind of feel like, even though you know, in the past twenty years we've lost a lot of artists, I'm kind of wondering. Yeah, that's why I live in Sacramento. Yeah, I know. I know. That's it's uh. It's, you know, I, I love being in Oakland now, but it was one of the reasons that I moved from San Francisco to Oakland was yeah. because of affordability. But now that I'm here, I'm like, oh, I really like I was missing out. Oh, great. I love Oakland. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, st- I still like I still have to check out more of the dispensaries and stuff. But I don't during during this time. It's just kind of nice to just chill at home and and being that like I mean and, and to be totally honest like I have had such a good deal on cannabis for so long working for a cannabis company. I'm a little cheap about spending extra money. Uh, I don't, you know, people give me weed. And I grew a lot of weed this year, and so I haven't set foot in a dispensary in a long time, and I feel bad. I feel like I need to just go on a tour and familiarize myself with the dispensaries in my area again. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I totally get that. I kind of I feel the same way. I just get immersed in my own little world. Did I tell you that this yeah. year I grew for the first time? Well, how'd it go? It went really well. I actually, I did, um, a friend of mine gave me three plants, <laughs> And one ended up being a boy. And oh, that happened. Yeah. Oh, no, I was super happy about it because for me, it wasn't, I wasn't really growing to get the buds. I wanted to grow and get seeds. So yeah. I got, I got some seeds out of it and I juiced everything, which was like, it was kind of nice to have the luxury to do that too, though, honestly. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I'm not smoking it. I'm just going to juice the shit out of all of it. <laughs> That's also great, though. I loved it. That's also great. Yeah, 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 yeah. People definitely, uh, uh, you know, you have to juice it fresh so you don't get all super hammered on, on THC. But if it doesn't decarboxylize, you can you can juice weed and not get high like you would off of an edible or some of those other things. Oh, yeah. I, I found it tremendously balancing. Like, I just felt like... I wasn't high, but it it kind of supported my adrenals. It I didn't have issues with my neuropathy because I still have neuropathy left over from chemo, and you know whatever I cut down that I didn't use, I stuck in the freezer. Smart. And then it was good. And it was so much fun. Like I, it's, I I would never be able to handle doing like a larger grow or anything like that because I'm verging on brown thumb. But like you said, 
your past benevolent neglect into just like, I hope it doesn't die. Yeah, I mean, I've killed a cactus, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean. Wow, that's yeah, impressive. I heard your stunned that's silence. <laughs> I'm impressed. It deflated itself. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. But, you know, it's like when people ask me about growing, I say, you know, just because somebody's in cannabis doesn't mean they understand all the aspects of it. I can tell you all the nerdy stuff about it. Like I said, I can I can weigh it out like nobody's business. I can tell you policy stuff. Don't ask me about growing. I'll I'll tell you. Yeah, I'll give you a good book or I'll send you to somebody who knows what they're doing. But that's just not my forte. You got to specialize. Everybody's got their own different set of skills. So you got to know what you do, maximize your strengths, minimize your weaknesses, as they say. That's it. So for the new year, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you hoping? What do you, what's, what, what, what are your visions for the new year? I'm hoping we get this pandemic under control. Uh, I'm going to be working with the International Cannabis Business Conference. Um, we're supposed to be in Berlin in July, Knockwood in Texas in may and um i would like to see legalization continue to spread throughout the country i hope philadelphia and new jersey can get their shit together i would like to see florida and texas get into it uh i would like to see montana advance their cannabis also new mexico i feel would be helped with legal cannabis um when i can take a road trip all across the country driving and not have to worry about weed in my pocket, it will be a great day for me. So that's what I'm continuing to work on. And I'm working on a new album, and I'm telling jokes. And I would like to open a social club up here in Sacramento. There's just a lot to do. So That would be awesome. I better, I better get on it. It's, it's already January 5th. I better get my shit together. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> what are you talking to me for? You've got work to do. Dude, I got to go. Okay, bye. <laughs> Well, and also for some of our listeners that we've we've kind of piqued their attention about getting involved and stuff, what are your, some of your favorite organizations for people to reach out to if they want to get involved with uh, cannabis, cannabis policy and advocacy in their states? Start local, right? Find some cats in your city. Um, normal, people talk shit about normal, but normal still does a good job, and they're probably the most recognizable cats. So find those guys. If there's an Americans for Safe Out, Safe Access Outpost in your city, find those guys. Um, look, look at your city council, and and if they have any sort of cannabis thing on the agenda, go go and support weed. Talk to you, just call your call politicians at random and be like, hey, I'd like to ask you about how you feel about weed legalization. Don't don't be afraid to to get involved in all of that stuff. I mean, it really starts kind of at the local level and then it moves out. I mean, that's kind of how we did it. Right. San Francisco started going hard for weed and then L.A. started opening the dispensaries. And then all of a sudden there's one in Fresno and one in Modesto and a couple in Sacramento. And then a few years later, weed is legalized out here. So that's really the way to do it. Um, all politics is local politics, as they say. And, and, and if you can, if you can get some cities to go for it first, then you can expand it out into the States and then throughout the rest of the country. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. And Americans for Safe Access has some great training for people who haven't lobbied before too. They do have great training for people who haven't lobbied and, and they, I think they still have online pamphlets and stuff about how to talk to people about different aspects of 
aspects of cannabis and, and medicinal effects of cannabis and, and how all that stuff works and it makes it easier. And, you know, and they did a good job of, of changing the language because listen to us, we say cannabis, right? It's not pot, it's not marijuana, it's not grass, it's not that good shit, it's cannabis. We all say cannabis now. We talk about terpenes, we talk about, we don't mention joints or doobies, we talk about pre-rolled cannabis cigarettes and you're not always getting high, sometimes you're medicating. Right? Would you like to medicate? And people use it to medicate. And so they've done a good job of, of of changing the language, which makes it easier to talk to the squares about it. I mean, I'm also like, yes, we are medicating cannabis, but I'm also getting fucking high. Because yeah. weed is one of the few drugs that people do for the side effects. Like all that cool shit that you get, the anti-inflammatory and the, all that other stuff that you get is cool. But really, the giggles and the munchies, I'm here for that. Yeah, there's no shame in that. There's, it's, it's kind of weird in our society how we have this thing about the stigma around feeling good unless you've just worked your ass off for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Puritan work ethic is a scam. I'm going to tell people that right now. Uh, the Spanish have a phrase, how wonderful it is to do nothing and then to rest afterwards. And I'm a fan of that. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> That is awesome. Well, Guy Obilam, comedian, Therapy. actor, Active. activist, um, <laughs> scion of pre rolls, rack on tour, dang <laughs> diplomat, gentleman of, of 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 many many different pairs of glasses. Sure, sure. back of all trade. That's right. <laughs> I want to thank you for being on today. It's with with everything going on with COVID. It is it's just so nice to hear the voice of a friend and one who has a lot to say because I I always have such a great time talking to you and hearing your views and just because you you know in addition to that you have so much of the rich history of what we've what we've accomplished and and talking about what we need to do. So it's. It's it's always a pleasure, and um and I'm really looking forward to your show this month too. So, oh, thank you. We'll see you there. It's yeah. always a pleasure to talk to you. And have me on anytime. I'll see you next week. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> and um and will you uh, let everybody know again about your social media just so we can, in case people missed it the first time. AIO four two zero Ungayo four twenty across all the social medias: Twitter, Instagram. Uh, Snapchat, YouTube, Facebook, all that stuff. You can find me on all of that. TikTok? And then NowhereTime.com. I don't have a TikTok yet. My kids don't want me to have one. On <laughs> uh, but they send me TikToks all the time. I don't know if I'm going to do some cannabis-infused dance or some shit on there. But uh, I have an OnlyFans. But, um, <laughs> I love it. Sativa Dominant on OnlyFans. And so there you go. <laughs> And again, your show for this, it's going to be on, on Inauguration Day, yes? On the 20th, 6 o'clock on the West Coast, 9 o'clock on the East Coast. You can go to NowhereTime.com to get tickets. Awesome. And for those of you out there who want to follow Planted on social media, we are Planted with Sarah on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, www.plantedwithsarah.com. And until later on this month. T-L-A-N-T-E-D or T-I-T? For which? Oh, no, planted. P-L-A-N-T-E-D. As in, I have planted Planted. something. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Putting down roots. Putting down roots. That's right. 
in many ways. There it is. <laughs> I believe it. And just a reminder, too, that we are going two times a month now. So we have two episodes every month. Um, stay tuned. We are also in the coming month. Um, check on Instagram. I'm going to be putting out posts on the planted page about asking me questions because I keep having people say, I love I love listening to you talk, but I'd like you to answer some questions. So we're going to do a little section. Yeah, we're going to check it out and see how that works. Um, and then in the new year, we, we may do some call-in stuff, too. So everybody stay safe. It's a crazy world out there. Be good to each other. And until next time, adios. Adios.